Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we will be pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the Salt and Light Closet. We start by speaking with Karen Pascal of the Henry Nouwen Society about one of the greatest spiritual thinkers of our time. And we meet singer-songwriter and Catholic entertainer Carl Hyman. In our second half hour, dynamic deacon Harold Burke Sivers tells us what an authentic male spirituality is, and we catch up with singer-songwriter Mikey Needleman. All these conversations first aired in early 2016. We now begin with Henry Nowen. Surely many of you have heard of Henry Nowen. He was a priest, author, pastor, professor. Now, I know of Henry Nowen because of his relationship with Jean Vanier and the L'Arche community that we've spoken about, that community here on the show. It's a community for adults with intellectual disabilities. Um, Henry Nowen wrote over 40 books on the spiritual life. He gave many lectures and retreats. Ever since his death in 1996, he has, been, he has continued guiding thousands of people around the world through his writings. And this year, in Toronto, to celebrate the 20th anniversary of his death, the Henry Nowen Society is presenting an international conference that is titled The Way of the Heart, Exploring the Inner Journey Through the Lens of Henry Nowen, with a host of excellent uh, speakers, many who knew Henry Nowen personally. And to tell us more about Henry and about this celebration and of, uh, about his work, I am now joined by Karen Pascal. She is the executive director of the Henry Nowen Society. Karen, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much, Pedro. So, Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, so, so, okay, so for people who've never heard of Henry Nouwen, I just said he's, he was an author, he was a priest, but tell me more. What, what else about Henry Nouwen should people know? I think they need to know what a unique contribution he made as a, as a spiritual thinker. And I uh-huh. think, uh, you know, today they recognize him as probably one of the, the greatest spiritual writers to come forth out of the 20th century as a Christian. Um, Henry's contribution was really his bringing together theology and psychology. He okay. was very interested in the heart, the issues of the heart. Right. Okay. So, um, which is why I, I would think that a lot of his books, like people can just go to the public library and probably find a lot of his books. It's not like yes. they're books that are relegated to the theology department in some university, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. You should probably find at least a dozen of his books in the, yeah. in the local library. Now, you knew him personally. I did. I got to know him. I, I, I myself was a television producer, and I was doing a program where I would always ask people who is inspiring you. Right. And the name Henry Nowen kept coming up, and so I began to pursue to find him, uh-huh. thinking I'd have him as a guest on my show. Yeah. And? and? And what happened was eventually I did get to interview him. We brought a crew, met with him. We spent a day with him, a half a day with him, actually, at, out at L'Arche, and that yeah. was kind of the beginnings of it. Uh, we came back, did a little bit more, and then within that year, I did a couple of programs out of that from the interviews that we had had done, and uh, within the year, he died. So right. that would be back in 96, and uh, I realized I had the best footage on Henry, so I went forward and did a documentary on him in which I, I spoke with family and friends and colleagues and used mm-hmm. their comments to rediscover who Henry was as they knew him. Right, and this is the documentary that we aired on Salt and Light Television, I believe. Yes, that's recently. the one, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, y- you probably had access 
to him in a, in, in a way that other people didn't. I mean, people knew him personally, but you were there with a camera, maybe asking questions that some other people maybe weren't asking. Do you, do you have any particular um, memories or anything that really stands out in your mind about, about something he said or, or what he did that, that you will carry with you forever? I do. I think, I think it was really, well, there were many things, but I would have to say when he described the return of the prodigal son story, uh-huh. I will never forget when he described the father who greets the, the prodigal son back, that he doesn't say to him, where have you been? What have you been up to? Yeah. He simply, as Henry said, he just says, I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad you're back. And I remember that sense of welcome. And I think it truly was how Henry had discovered the depth of God's love for him, mm-hmm. that he knew God was saying, I am so glad you're home. I'm so glad you're here. And and that's what he really wanted to communicate through his writing. I think, you know, if you think about what is kind of at the core of Henry's writing, it's very much his discovery that he was beloved by God right. and then wanting to pass that on to others. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier that, I mean, he's 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 well known as a great spiritual thinker of our time. I, I, I'd like to compare him some, if people don't know, to compare him with Thomas Merton. It's not an exact comparison, but um, Thomas Merton is maybe right up there in the same, yes, same yeah, category. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, so that's obviously one reason why people are drawn to his writings. Why do you think that people today are so drawn to that kind of spirit, that approach to spirituality? Um, I, I've often thought that um, when I've used this expression because someone wrote a letter that to me really captured what Henry did. Yeah. And it was, they wrote and they said, how could you know the map of my heart? Wow. And Henry really got that. And I think when people read Henry, they kind of go, how do you know the map of my heart? Mm. You really, and I think it was his incredible honesty, his knowledge of brokenness. He himself, you know, was, was not, he didn't put up thoughts. He didn't have to be all perfect and together. Right. He was very honest about who he was, about his own personal struggles. And in that, I think people are disarmed, because perhaps maybe prior to that time, the tendency was for spiritual leaders to kind of feel like they had it very pat and very together. And Henry was, was really offering the fact that his wounds might actually be the greatest source of healing for others, that his experiences of brokenness and then acceptance by God and love and the love of God was, um, it had more, uh, it it was more uh, tangible than you could imagine. And and that's really, I think what uh, permeates his books. I think that's what people discover there. They discover, you know, someone who needs a map of their heart, um, we had Anne Lamott here giving a lecture at Convocation Hall, yeah. and she said the similarity between her and Henry was people read her books, and people read Henry's books, and they say, me too, me too. They yeah. get kind of that feeling like, you're really writing about the way I, I experience life, and the doubts I have, and the fears I have, and the needs I have, and there's that kind of me too that comes into the conversation. And, and then Henry has answers to it. He has deep answers. You know, right. so it's yes. rich. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I absolutely, I love that. The map, he knew the map of my heart. Um, you're now the executive director of, of the Henry Nowen Society. Why, can you tell me a little bit about why there's a society? And I mean, other than, I mean, you're not just selling his books. So what, why, what's the legacy that you're trying to maintain? Well, I think we, we, in a sense, we have three 
things that we tr- we try to do. We continue to be sure that Nowen's books are published. Yeah. And in fact, because he, in a way, died prematurely, there were some things it, within the archives that could really? still be published. Yeah. So we, when I say prematurely, I, he died at 64, but yes. there was, you know, no thought that that was going to happen. Right. But we, for example, have a book coming out this fall, which is stellar. It's the first published book of Henry's letters. And he was wow. so pastoral. All of those letters are yeah. gorgeous. So that kind of thing. So publishing is one thing that we do. Mm-hmm. And then we preserve. We, we have these wonderful archives, wonderful, uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, people have kept the letters because they were so meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. People have kept various things. And, and so the archives are a real treasure for scholars and for research and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we also believe in community and in gathering people because that was very much what Henry did. Okay. He really... He felt that that experience of community was an important one. So, for example, we're having this conference, and people are yes. coming from all over the world. They're coming from Europe, from England, yes. from the far corners of North America, that just to be together. And I think we've only had two conferences like this. One was 10 years ago, and now this one. Okay. And um, I think it's pretty significant. Yeah, it is. Okay. And we, we neglected to say, I neglected to say, actually, so, so he wasn't Canadian, he was Dutch, right? That's right. But he chose to come to live in Canada for the last 10 years of his life. Yeah. The last 10 years he lived at Larch Daybreak. Yeah, he lived at Larch Daybreak in Richmond Hill. Um, yeah. In fact, and his house is still there. I've been there. People can take retreats in the yeah. house where he lived. I've been in his bedroom. It's very moving. Um, yeah. So the, 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 you said that this is the second time that this conference is happening. It happened 10 years ago, so 10 years and now 20 years. Is the goal of the conference also to, I mean, to celebrate his life, his work, but also to bring people together, like you said, the goals of the, of the society? Very much so. And I think one thing that is kind of a, a real added agenda for us at this point, we've invited a lot of young people, a lot of oh, students, yeah. a lot of people um, uh, that are studying, because we really want to offer Henry to the next generation. We want to introduce him and be sure that people who right. are seeking and are searching uh, are introduced to Henry now. We yeah. think his books continue to resonate. They're not dated. They have a an aliveness to them. No, they're right. And 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 maybe that's a good place to leave it because I I do I, if if anything I want people to listen to this interview and say, hey, I'm looking for some good spiritual writing. I'm going to look for Henry now, and 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 you should. Um, so thank you, Karen, for for sharing a little bit uh, about this uh, about your work and about the work of Henry now and with us today. Oh, you're so welcome, and thank you. Yes, we would love it if people would read his books. We think they'll, we think they'll be fed. Yeah, we think they'll enjoy them. Yes, good. So, so to learn more about Henry Nowen, um, as we said earlier, I'm sure you can find many of his books at your local library, but you should visit the Henry Nowen Society. That's probably a good place to start if you're looking for good spiritual uh, reading. It's henrynowen.org, and it's spelled Henry like the French spelling, H-E-N-R-I, and Nowen is N-O-U-W-E-N, henrynowen.org. But we're going to put that link on our on our page, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, so you can find it easily, Henry Nowen. Um Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Kyle Hyman, with Childhood Prayer from his album, I Wrote These Songs for Ukulele. This is a prayer I used to pray when I was a little kid, laying in bed, tired, so tired. Good morning, God. Thanks for the fun dreams I had last night 
I was a spy. And the coolest part was I could fly. Today I pray that you would help my sister to be cool and not annoying like she usually is. Dear God, I've been eating my vegetables. I don't know if this prayer might seem questionable, but if you have some time to spare, I hope this doesn't seem unfair. Please help me to grow some facial hair. Hey, God, it's me. School went well, I think, don't you? You've got lots to do. But if you have a minute or two, you could help my mom to pick out cooler clothes for me to wear. And <clears throat> did you? Forget the facial hair, dear God. I'd like to be like the other boys. But when people call our house, they think they hear my sister's voice. I've been praying for this since June. When you find it opportune. Please help my voice to change soon. Wait a minute, my voice is low, and my peach fuzz is starting to grow. Now I have bo and acne shows. That was Kyle Hyman with Childhood Prayer from his album, I Wrote These Songs for Ukulele. Now, you may have heard the name Kyle Hyman from the band Popple. Kyle describes himself as a passionately Catholic husband and dad who travels the country playing music, entertaining, and speaking to youth and families. And I'm pretty sure that by now you can tell that the music that we've been listening to is not what you would call overly Catholic or pious or even religious. It's entertainment. The, the first I heard of Kyle was when I learned about the band Popple, which was a group comprised of Kyle and some guy named Dan, and they described themselves as comedic, acoustic, fun-loving music. Now, Kyle is also part of Spork, 
and I'm going to ask him about that, is a duo that he formed with Justin, some guy named Justin. And this one, he, they also describe themselves as, as doing comedic music that will make you dance until your quads are sore. Kyle likes to play the ukulele. That's just random, but important. Um, <laughs> and his latest album is called I Wrote These Songs for Ukulele. And I, apparently, I, uh, you can hear Kyle's already on the line. So, Kyle, I, I just found out that ukulele is spelled U-K-U-L-E-L-E, not U-K-E-L-E-E. That's also random, but for anybody who cares. Um, yeah, for, the, for those spelling nerds at home. <laughs> ukulele, exactly. Um, and, and Kyle also just uh, is the author. He's a published author of three very cute micro books, and we're going to talk about that as well. Um, so we have a lot to talk about, Kyle. Um, and I, even though you've already are in the interview and you're already talking, I'm going to officially welcome you to the Salt and Light Hour. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Deacon. It's happy to be here. So, um, do you see yourself as a musician, a, 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 a comedian, a children's entertainer? What are what are you? Well, that's a great question. I I, I hesitate to call myself a musician because I'm not really that good. <laughs> you're a good ukulele at, player. At, I, we always say that we're amateur musicians, professional entertainers. Yes. So wh- where we lack in musical ability and knowledge of music theory, uh, yeah. we make up with having lots of fun, and, and sometimes that's contagious, and other people like to have fun with us. Right. Now, when, when you... Popple doesn't exist anymore, right? Oh, no, yeah, we still we Oh, still you are, do still we do actually, stuff? Um, Last weekend, we were okay, we had good. an event for middle school students in Virginia, and, and next weekend, we're in Texas. So we're still doing things as Popple, um, but Dan, the other half, is a youth minister, so there's sometimes where there's conflicts in his schedule, right. and there's been events come up, I said, oh, that'd be fun to do, so I uh, started up Spork as, a, as another opportunity for us to do that, Okay, and, Spork, and, and just yeah. another creative outlet for me, because I'm kind of uh, addicted to creating things. Yeah, it is. Would you see that there's a, a diff? I mean, not, not knowing, I mean, I know a lot of the stuff you did with Popple, um, and now just hearing some of the stuff you're doing with Spork, do you see that there's a difference in focus for the, of those two duos? Or are you, is it kind of similar approach, similar focus? Yeah, it, it, it's both. I mean, there's some overlaps, definitely just because I'm involved with both. And I think, you know, my interests and, and passions and influence kind of come through on both of them. Yeah. But at the same time, they're completely different styles. One is acoustic and the other one's more electronic dance. Uh, yes. So it, it's kind of just my scattered mind kind of spewing things out in different directions. And uh, yeah, there's some definitely some overlap and, and some things in common, but there's there's also some some vast differences between the two. Yeah, of course. And, and I'm, I'm glad for, uh, thank you for pointing that out, that is Popple is very acoustic. It's And, and I don't want to label it, but it, yeah, you hear Popple and I thought, Oh, it's just you know it's like good children's entertainment. Like I could have these guys at my kid's birthday party. Yeah. Um, whereas Spork, you're right. It's like techno. You guys are rapping. There's some very funny raps in the. Yeah, uh, we like to have a good sound system whenever whenever good, we go places. With yeah, Spork. you're DJing. I don't know. It sounds like you're DJing, sampling. Yeah. Um, and then you you come up with uh, album names that I can read, but I can't pronounce because more bass or more bass than a Friday in Lent. Nobody that knows. and therein lies the pun, you know, the and, pun. and it works really good on paper, but it's it's hard to decide how to how to pronounce that word. Yeah, more but, bass. Uh, yeah, more bass than a Friday in Lent, with yeah, uh, no. the pun being on lots of fish. Yes, Friday. more bass. Yes, of course, we get it. We get it. Um, and, yeah. and, and I guess people, I guess, I guess uh, people ask you what what is what is a spork? What is spork? Other than two guys doing techno music. Well, a spork, just from the, the definition of, of the device, is a half spoon, half fork. 
it's 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 yes. really the most practical utensil known yes. to man. You yes. can you can stab things with it. You can scoop with it. It's it's the best of both worlds. It's like you know, if you have cake and ice cream, what do you do? You use, you a, use spoon a spoon, spork. or a, for your for your ice cream, or do you use a fork for the cake? A spork kills two birds with one stone. That's great. That's great. So, and and I know people ask you between you and Justin, who is the spoon and who's the fork? But I'm not going to ask you that. Yeah, well, that's 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 very personal. Good. We don't yes. like to. Thank you. I don't, don't want to go there. Public. Thank you. Um, what's with the micro books? So first of all, what is a micro book? Do you need a microscope to look at them? What is a, what is a micro book? Okay. To be honest, Deacon, uh, a micro book is really a booklet, but that didn't sound very cool. <laughs> Booklets so I thought micro book sounds cooler than booklet. Yes. Micro. So, uh, it, it's basically, I have a very short attention span and I don't like to read uh, adult books, you know, yes. the big books with lots of words and no pictures. Yes. And so uh, I try to create a book, for somebody like me, somebody that's not really going to make it into a 5,000-page book, uh, much less a 50,000-page book. And so just kind of trying to condense some ideas into a short, humorous book that that would appeal to somebody that might not pick up a big book. Right. Okay, so the first one you wrote is... Sorry, go ahead. You could you could just accidentally find out that you read the whole book and, and you didn't even mean to. You just like what is this? And then all of a sudden you read. Oh, you read the whole I just book. read yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Good. The first one you wrote is is man's man's guide to life. So choosing the right urinal. Uh huh. What, what what made you write that that book? It, it's a it's a book about vocations, obviously. Obviously. You know, and uh, it, it, it comes. It starts with a personal story about a trip to the bathroom and a kid using the adult urinal, and I have to step it up on a stool to use yes. the kid's urinal. And uh, just talking about how you know we have a vocation in life and, and a purpose and a reason that we were created, and we can see we can feel out of place whenever we we ignore mm-hmm. the design by our creator, and it kind of just runs with the bathroom analogy through different things like confession and. Yes. Uh, in prayer life and, and things like that. So um, it, it stemmed from a, a men's talk that I gave, and I didn't actually plan on, on kind of going into the topic, but just kind of went there, and, and the guys loved it, and they said, you need to write a book called Choosing yeah. the Right Urinal. <laughs> yeah, right. And I ended up doing it. Yeah, so. It is a great title, a micro book. Um, and then, of course, the ladies complain, because why are you giving a book for men? And then you had to write the ladies' guide to guys. That's that's pretty much what happened. I was like, I can't. When are you going to write a book for girls? As well, I'm not a girl. I can't write a book for girls like that. Like yeah, this yeah, is yeah. from personal experience, and yeah, you know, going to have to have a girl do that. And then I started uh, thinking about how women's talks go, and and hearing kind of these ideas of of chastity and modesty from a, another female is a perspective that women might get frequently, and uh, there was an opportunity for me to provide the guy's perspective on those topics. Yeah. And so I just kind of break down some things that women might know, not understand or, or realize about guys. And uh, that's, that was kind of that approach. No, it's it a is. very different it, it, book. It is, but it's very useful because if, if, if there's are any girls out there, any women out there who just can't figure out their man, read the book because you need to read this book. Um, now, the one that I can't figure out is the host book. So why are you writing a book about hosting parties. Oh, well, so 
with Popple, Dan and I have traveled all around the country and internationally. We've been to Canada quite a bit. Yes. And we, we've seen so many different events. We've seen things that go really well and things that consistently do not work, although people keep trying to do them. Yes. And so it, it, it kind of came out of this, uh, this consensus of, you know, what is working, what isn't working. And then on top of that, I, I really started pushing with a lot of other people that I know that put on events or have been speaking at a lot of events and pulled them for, you know, what are some things that you see common mistakes? And so it's, it's really a tips and tricks book for youth ministers, diocesan people, anybody that organizes events, especially for youth, but there's, there's crossover for mm-hmm. adult events too. And uh, retreats, conferences, rallies, anything like that, that it's some, some things to avoid and some things to do that will kind of take your event from where it is now to the next step, the next level, yeah. bring more people in and have them more engaged when they're there. And uh, so it was just my, my attempt at uh, sharing some of the things that I've learned. Good. So it's good, good advice, actually, um, uh, for anyone planning an event with or without Spork or Popple. Um, right. Why? So it's, it seems to me that what you're doing is you're you're using the the silliness and the comedy or the to to as a vehicle to get to deeper topics. Exactly. It's it's like a, a foot in the door. You know, once you get that foot in, then you know maybe you can share a little bit more. Uh, people also refer to it with youth ministry as earning the right to be heard. Right. And so we we just try to share authentically who we are and what we enjoy and have fun. And that kind of breaks down the barrier of of us being able to share our faith, which is ultimately what I what brings me joy is being able to share my faith with other people. And you find that that happens. So you, you you'll sing a song like the childhood prayer that we just heard, and it's it sounds serious, but I mean it's it's it isn't, but it is because maybe that is a true prayer that a, a young person could have. Um, right, right. Some of some of it's just to have some fun and, and break the ice a little bit, and then some some other songs have a little bit deeper meaning that we can explore that and and explain, mm-hmm. you know, what we were thinking whenever we wrote that song. Or yeah, now you have a new website. You're writing a weekly blog about faith. How's that going? Yeah, it's been going really well. For 2016, I started writing every Wednesday. I put out a new blog. Uh, usually using some kind of an analogy or life experience to explain my faith and uh, to to anybody, really. Yeah, it's just been kind of an outreach, and it's been fun to see the comments that people have and sharing it on social media and uh, hopefully just being able to to break open some of the more difficult aspects of faith or, or even things that people that uh, don't believe mm-hmm. you know, in God or, or Catholicism or whatever, uh, to draw them in a little bit and expose them to things in a, in a non-offensive uh, way, you know, a really right. kind of gentle and, and easy to, to understand. Right, good. And so that's at kylehyman.com. Um, we're going to leave it there, Kyle. We'll run out of time. But I, I think that if people have heard the little bit of the music that they've heard on this show, they've heard you speak, they're obviously intrigued by the micro books, and they're going to want to find out more. And I would say to anyone listening that, I mean, yes, it's great for children, middle school, but for everybody. Everybody needs a little bit of uh, uh, lightheartedness in their life, especially when we're uh, going to talk about important things like truth. So thank you yeah. for what you're doing, Kyle. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's, it's meaningful, too. Well, thank you, Deacon, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Good. So once again, you can learn more about Kyle Hyman, about Popple, about Spork, about the microbooks, and all his other projects, or you can read his blog 
at the website kylehyman.com. And Hyman is H-E-I-M-A-N-N and Kyle, K-Y-L-E, but I'm going to put that on our website so you can find it easily. Uh, we spoke to Kyle uh, from Redeemer Radio in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So thank you to Robert and the staff at Redeemer Radio in Fort Wayne for helping us out with this interview. Here now is Kyle Hyman and Justin from Spork with their theme song from their album, More Bass Than a Friday in Lent. Here we go. Theme song. Sound the alarm. Kid from the city. A man from the farm. Dudes with a dream to dance and sing. Bigger than Marina Super Bowl ring. Theme song. Sound the alarm. Kid from the city. A man from the farm. Wretch like a binding a pork and spoon. Wait for the hook. It'll happen soon. See, now's the time to talk about us. One guy is Kyle when the other is Justin. Finn. Yeah, Jeremy Lynn. We like to rhyme to the beat, make you get off your feet. So we can tell you about the cities we're from, but that'll just bore you. It'll make you numb. Decatur, Indiana, and straight from New York. We always look for ways to improve the fork. Why? This is Kyle Hyman and Spork with the title track from their album, More Bass Than a Friday in Lent. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you're ever looking for books on male spirituality, chances are that you'll find stuff about fatherhood and sexuality. But it's hard to find something more comprehensive. Well, look no further. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers has just come out with a new book, Behold the Man, published by Ignatius Press. And to tell us all about it, I'm now joined by Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Brother Deacon, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you today. Absolutely. So um, I'm not quite sure what the word comprehensive means. What, is it, what do you mean um, that there's a comprehensive view of what it means to be a man? Well, you know, when I was looking um, for a book that really got to the heart of what an authentic Catholic man looks like, I couldn't find a, 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 a comprehensive book in the Catholic faith. So I found books on fatherhood, yeah. on priesthood, on celibacy, on you know, finding pornography, on different yeah. um, virtue, on different topical issues related to male spirituality. But I couldn't find anything that said, okay, what, does, what is the underlying spirituality that defines what it means to be a good husband, to be a good father, to be a good priest, to be a good, right. you know, young adult man in the world. What, what, what is the spirituality that drives all of that? Right. And that's what this book does. It really gives a, a foundation upon which to build uh, your life as an authentically Catholic man. I see, I see. So it's like, like when we were taking uh, uh, fun, you know, theology and you have to do that first course, Foundations, that sets everything up. Is that, that's what you felt exactly. that you needed, that kind of that, that ground. Exactly. You know, and, and Deacon Pedro, you know, you know what's interesting? When I was doing research, I, you know, I could not find a document issued by the, the a Pope yeah. or by the Magisterium, you know, the Vatican, or any teaching authority that spoke to what it means to be an authentically Catholic man. Interesting. 
Now, yeah. there was stuff for women. Yes. <laughs> a Mulieri's Dignitatem. Yes. That, uh, uh, the, the Dignity of Vocation of yes. Women, written by St. John Paul II. Yeah. But I couldn't find anything for men. Yeah. Now, there were, like, Familiar's Consortio, the uh, late Holy Father, yeah, uh, John Paul II, yeah. St. John Paul II's document on the family. There was pieces on fatherhood in there. There were two encyclicals written on St. Joseph. Right. But I couldn't find anything for men. So, again, that was another impetus for me to also write yeah. the book as well. No, it's a good point, because when I, when I heard about your book and I, I, I was reading it, I was ex- thinking exactly that. I thought, you know, like, we all hear about the feminine genius, and I wonder if it, people would be offended, probably, if we started talking about the male genius. But you think that if there should be the equivalent. So what did you find, then, when you, when, if I were to ask you, so what is authentic male Catholic spirituality? What, what is that? Well, I think it's, it's the way that we as men respond to God's invitation to life-giving communion. Okay. Um, through an ever-deepening uh, discovery of, who, of how God works in our lives, most particularly by uniting ourselves with Christ crucified. Uh-huh. That, that's the key. Uh, we imitate Christ crucified, we meditate on what that crucifixion means, and we live our spirituality from the cross of Jesus Christ. St. Huh. Paul says, I preach Christ and Christ crucified. Right. I want to know nothing except the cross of Jesus Christ. And again, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right. So what, does, what makes that authentically Catholic? Well, if you look at our Protestant brothers and sisters, um, you know, uh, uh, particularly our Protestant brothers, when they have a, a cross, they don't have a crucifix. They, right. There's no corpus on that cross. Yeah. You know, and so us as Catholics, we, we don't focus on the fact that, of course, we know Jesus is risen from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father. We don't, you know, but, but the thing is, most of life is the cross. Uh-huh. And we as men are called to serve, protect, and defend. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our job is to serve, protect, and defend, to break ourselves open and pour ourselves out in love for our wives, for our children, for the church, and for this culture. And the image of what that looks like, an authentically man who pours himself out, is Christ crucified? So that that's kind of the hermeneutic or the uh, the, yeah. the, the the kind of the lens to, yes. through which you look through what I'm trying to do in the book. I see. I'm glad you clarified because I was going to ask you. Well, in in a sense that that is for everyone that the cross is that grounding element. But but you say that specifically men who are called to serve, protect, and defend through that lens, as opposed to women who might still use the same lens but maybe a different focus. Would that be fair to well, say? Well, exactly. Like, for example, Ephesians chapter 5. Why, yes. A husband's, love uh, your wives. Yeah. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Yes. See, so right then, when he, when, he, when he tries to tie in what it means to be an authentic husband, and of course, and he says, you know, he talks about the church. So you have this kind of beautiful vision of Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, yeah. giving his life, sacrificing himself for his bride, the church, just like a husband and a father does in a family, yeah. gives his life. His job is to die to himself every day, to live for his wife and his children, for his priest, if he's a priest, for, the, for his parish, yeah. he's the father of that family, or for a single man living in the world. He is a witness and an example of what it means to live that Christ-crucified life in the way he interacts in, in the culture. Right. Um, you know, so it's, it's a beautiful yeah. uh, model for how we truly live and be examples of, uh, of what it means to be a man in the world today. Right. Now, do you think that that 
masculine spirituality only makes sense when it's complemented by a a, 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 a a real feminine spirituality? That's a great question. I addressed that several times in the book because because people say, okay, this male spirituality. Well, how does that complement an authentically uh, feminine spirituality? So I, I address that. Yeah. Um, very directly. I talk about what it means to be an authentic uh, uh, woman, a Catholic woman, as well. And how you're right. How that perfectly complements. If you go back to Genesis, there's a beautiful complementarity yes. between the male and the female. And, and we're living in a world right now where all those lines are being blurred and confused yeah. on purpose. Yeah. Where gender doesn't matter. All that matters is how you feel. Yeah. You know, biology doesn't matter. All that matters is how you feel. You know, and and we, yeah. we've gotten away yeah. from this understanding of a, a, an authentic anthropology. What, what does our bodies what language does that speak in relation to our relationship with God? Yeah. See, so, so when you move God out of the picture, then the, the focus... So, so instead of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the Trinity becomes me, myself, and I. Yeah. And that's what's happened in the culture today. So I think a recapturing of a sense of a, a beautiful complementarity between man and woman, which I do try to draw out in the book, mm-hmm. so, so, so men can see what an authentic woman looks like, but also that women can see what a real man looks like. Right. Uh, just recently, a, man, a, a, a young woman came up to me after a parish mission and said that her husband bought her Behold the Man mm-hmm. and sent it to her. She's a, co- she's a sophomore in college. And she said the father sent it to her. She read the book. She goes, oh, my goodness, now I know what my future husband looks like. Yeah. You see? Yeah, no, that's so actually... She, she, so she saw in the pages of that book a beautiful complementarity for the spirituality she's trying to live as a woman. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's a great, you know, if I asked you, what are your hopes for this book? You, you know, it's not just for men. It's also for women, for wives, um, because women need to know what it means to be a real man. And uh, not only, you know, men need to know what it means to be a real man, but women also need to know that. So just quickly, so you, you've laid the foundation that you just explained in the book, and then you talk about, you do deal with specific topics like sin and truth and freedom and sexuality, huge section on theology of the body, fatherhood work. Um, how did you, how kind of did you settle on those themes? Okay, so, so what I did, uh, Deacon, was I thought, okay, because you know how in theology, yeah. You know, we have something called the hierarchy of truth. Yes. So, in other words, at the foundation of everything that we believe in our faith is the Trinity, the Incarnation, and grace. Yeah. And everything else that uh, in our belief flows from, from those foundational truths of our faith. Yeah. So I tried, basically try to do the same thing in this book. So the, the, the first several chapters lay the foundation of biblical manhood. Yeah. How does a man take a Bible... And well, and take it off the shelf, knock the dust off, and start reading it. And but but how does he see himself and his life as a man in the pages of God's Word? Because when God first revealed Himself to us, He was the Word. Because John tells us in the prologue yeah, yeah, of His yeah. Gospel, the Word became flesh. But first, He was the Word. Yes. So I want to I want men to pick up a Bible and to see themselves in their stories in the pages of the Bible, and I teach them how to approach that from a Catholic perspective. Right. And then once they are able to see themselves, then we have to understand what is God trying to do? He's trying to, he's trying to uh, bring us into covenant yeah, relationship, yeah, and that's important. That's the foundation. I see. Because we live in a world where relationships are contractual, just agreements mm-hmm. between people, but God is trying to draw us into covenant intimacy. Then we have to talk about, in chapter 3, sin and forgiveness. Sin, yeah. what, what happens 
um, when we violate that covenant, when we choose ourselves over God, right. that's where sin and in the power of God's forgiveness and truth and freedom, because we have to, once we root ourselves in covenant relationship, we understand what tries to break that covenant, we, we have to see the power of, of what it means to, be ob- to live objective truth in our lives every day. Mm-hmm. And so, then I tied yeah. it in with theology of the body, and yeah. then we talk about specific topics, fatherhood, fatherhood work, work, and the armor of God yeah. ties it all together. How do we live this every day? What are some practical, real-world, hands-on things that we can do every day to live this spirituality in the world. Yeah, I see. So one builds on the other. Um, Deacon, that's all the time we have, but thank you so much. This has been uh, you know, a quick quick study for our listeners, but hopefully uh, enough to, to make them want to go and find out more. They can purchase the book. It's published by Ignatius, Ignatius Press. Thank you so much for writing the book and for doing what you do, Deacon, and, and, and for sharing a little bit of that with us today. Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. He's known as a dynamic deacon. He hosts his own weekly broadcast from the rooftops on Radio Maria. And he's also the host of several popular series on EWTN, including Behold the Man, Spirituality for Men. His latest book is of the same title, and it's published by Ignatius. You can learn more about the book at beholdthemanbook.com and about Deacon Harold at his website, deaconharold.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Mikey Needleman, with Only You from his album, All For You. Hey 
are possible And your love doesn't That was the Mikey Needleman Band with Only You from their album, All For You. Now, if you were listening to the Salt and Light Hour about a year ago, you would have heard Mikey Needleman. Mikey and his band have been at this for 10 or more years. And last year, we spoke about their last album, Your Ways. It's Mikey's third album. And now he's working on a new one. And to tell us all about it, I am joined by Mikey Needleman. Mikey, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. It's great to be here, Deacon. Thanks for having me. So, so the the last, so a year ago, last we spoke about your ways, which is was a liturgical. I don't know if I can call it a liturgical album, but I remember that these are perfect songs for to be used at mass, opening, closing. There's an Easter sequence. Um, how different is the new album? It's going to be very complementary to that idea. It's kind of a, a concept idea. You know, so often yeah. um, we write music and. We write music specifically for different parts of Mass, and then later on on the CD, there's a song that has nothing to do uh, with, you know, liturgy or anything like that. So I wanted to write um, two EPs that would have um, songs that each one is designed for uh, congregational use. And so this one, uh, called Your Ways, will have a Pentecost sequence, for example. Um, It will have a um, song for the uh, preparation of the gifts, um, and it'll have um, some other, you know, specifically um, liturgical uh, songs on it. Okay, so so your ways, which was the last album, had like an opening, uh, something for closing, mm-hmm. ascending, send send us forth kind of song. Um, and so this new one, what's it called? It's called "This We Ask of You." Okay. And, um, yeah, that sounds one liturgical. Of, one of the, <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say it's that, that sounds liturgical. This we ask of you. Yes. um, Well, you know, one thing that I did was we wrote a song um, that I wanted. There's so many great uh, saint litanies out there. I wanted to write one that we have this beautiful tradition of the of the communion of saints that we we teach in the Catholic Church that our saints are all you know interceding on our behalf. And I had this idea that you know when we when we pray to the saints, why not pray to like a group of saints that all have you know our patron saints of um, something that are complementary. Um, for example, um, uh, St. Gianna for um, parents who are wanting to get pregnant, yes. and also, you know, St. Joseph, who is a great father of the family. Like, what would happen if they got together and prayed together, uh-huh. you know, for the family, for strengthening uh, the family and all that kind of stuff? Um, or, you know, other other patron saints that um, could get together, St. Michael. Right. Um, you know, what would, what would it look like if St. Michael and, um, you know, St. Paul... Uh, or St. Gabriel, we're all praying together on our behalf. Like, what would that look like? Yeah. So um, we wrote a, uh, a um, St. Litany. It's called This We Ask of You. 
and it's basically about that, asking um, a couple saints um, and then asking for the specific intention and saying, um, this we ask of you to uh, pray for us and to strengthen us in this in this way. So um, we decided to name the whole record this, after that song. That, what a great idea. So, so, so just to go back to the litany, is it, is it, the, is it a litany that could be used like f- during Easter or during an ordination or during any other sure. liturgical sure. celebration where the litanies are traditionally sung? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think uh, the idea came to me um, actually for confirmation. I was uh, when yeah. I was a youth minister. We'd pick um, we'd pick a Saint Litany for confirmation that all of the uh, kids would kind of submit uh, their uh, saint that they use for confirmation. We would sing that as they would come down uh, the aisle for confirmation to kind of invite yeah. uh, their saints to to the mass. And so that's where it came for me. But it also would really work for all saints all saints day and. Um, you know, other times throughout uh, the year that would be great for Mass. That's great. That's great because uh, we need some good litanies. <laughs> yeah. Again, some of the ones that are out there. There's some good ones out there. Yeah. But I, like I said, it just kind of came to me. Like, let's, 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 let's kind of think of this as a communion, more of a communion of saints. Yeah, of course. Now, had I spoken to you five years ago, I don't know if you would have described yourself as a liturgical composer, would you? Um, maybe not 10 years ago. Um, okay. Five years ago, I still was on that. I was working at church, and I was writing music for the church. Yeah. Um, I think about 10 years ago, um, I kind of had a conversion right. um, of, of you know, I was always Catholic. I was yeah. a faithful guy. And then um, I went to NCYC when it was here in Kansas City. Yeah. And um, just the excitement yeah. and the uh, vibrancy that these kids had for uh, the church, I was like, you know what, I want to write music that that just enlivens the church like that, gets people clapping and, and singing along and, and uh, really connected. So that's when I started specifically writing for Mass and for Catholic um, events. Yeah, no, that's good. And there's such a need for for that, you know, I mean, the, the best place for, for music to be sung is, I think, for Catholics, is at Mass. So, I mean, yes. there's nothing more amazing than to, to, to go somewhere and hear a group singing, hey, I wrote that song and it's being used. Um, so so that's, that's a real blessing. Um, I, I know that you're also a speaker and you, 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 uh, you run camps and stuff. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing this summer. Summer is always busy. You know, we've got a lot of camps, a lot of conferences. Um, I was just down in uh, North Georgia at Camp Hidden Lake, which is a uh, Life Teen uh, yeah. camp. It is for all of their middle schoolers. Um, I was down there for a week. Uh, did music uh, down there, got to meet some great people. The cool thing about that camp is there's people from all over the country that yes. attend. Yes. So um, did that, and then, um, you know, we've got, I've got a couple weeks of Catholic Heart Camp coming up, um, in which I'll also be the musician for that. Uh-huh. Um, there's a local camp up here that we get asked to come in and do, like, a big praise concert. We actually did it last night. Right. Big praise concert right in the middle of camp. Um a lot, of, a lot of traveling um, to to do these type of things, which is uh, which is awesome because I think that's what we're called to do. You know, yeah. like we're not necessarily called to to you know keep put and stay in place. And on top of that, Deacon, I think uh, you know one of the things that I've learned in my ministry is, you know, like Jesus said, you're never a prophet in your hometown, and and sometimes it <laughs> yes. it, it takes us going elsewhere yes. to really be able to. Um, to share the good news and, and people kind of listen to you because you're from the outside yeah. and you're not an insider. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that keeps us real busy. And, um, it, you know, come, come August, we'll be wondering where the summer went. I know. Well, that's good. Do you, are you still doing, cause you also used to do, uh, secular events. And sure. Are you still 
Yeah, are you we're doing it? a we're doing a lot of those still. Um, a lot of wedding receptions, especially yeah. here in the summer, nice. uh, which is great because we'll you know being a Catholic singer, I'll get asked to sing at the actual ceremony, and then I'll be uh, then I'll be asked to have the band play at the reception. That's so great. Um, yeah, it's great. It's kind of a nice little uh, ministry, complimentary ministry, and um, we also do you know just different uh, secular events, different restaurants, or even bars here and there, and um, you know that that's always. Uh, a really good conversation starter when people say, you know, what do you do for a living? And I say, I play music. And then yeah. it turns into, um, yeah. you know, where do you play at? And I say, I play at churches and I, I write music for the church. And then, you know, that, that, that door opens up in, in a way that, you know, many of those people wouldn't have that conversation if it wasn't for, you know, us being there. So it's, it's turned into a really uh, very fruitful ministry um, of, of playing those secular events. Yeah, it is. It's a great opportunity to, as you say, to, to evangelize. Um, mm-hmm. so the new album, it's not ready. I know you're still recording or I'm not sure you're done yes. recording, but you're in, in, still in production. So we're yes. ex- expecting it uh, towards the end of the year or in the new year. When can I have you back on the show so we can listen to some tracks? Yeah, I would love to. Um, hopefully, man, I, I would love to say by January, February, we should have it in, uh, in print. Um, with with us having such a busy summer, um, my vocals to record vocals will not be ready until about September. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's a patience thing. Believe me, I wish it was done right now, <laughs> but um, you kind of got to wait and, and and all that kind of stuff takes time. But hopefully, first of the year, two thousand seventeen, we'll have we'll have those uh, everything mixed and mastered and ready to, ready for. Uh, to listen to them but yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure you're gonna love it i think it's gonna be really really good well we we love what we we, we have so far so I, I expect only that the, the bad thing is that now the expectations are really high but we expect great yeah. things like <laughs> um and 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 patience is sometimes a good thing that it means that you're busy with other projects and so yes you know it's not like you're sitting around doing nothing um thank you for taking a little bit of time i know you have a five month old at home so i thank him yeah. for being cooperative cooperative as well with us <laughs> today um, and let's stay in touch and, and when you have some music that we can listen to for, from this we ask of you we'd love to to play some of that on our program that sounds great Deacon thank you so much God bless you can learn more about the Mikey Needleman Band at their website mnband.com here now is Mikey Needleman with the title track of his album All For You
listening to the Mikey Needleman Band with All For You from his album of the same name. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org and you can contact me at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for listening. We do.